This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, Matt Necrone. And every time he mentions the word Clemson tonight, he's going to donate a dollar to the charity of your choice. What's up, Matt? Because I got it like that. <laughs> and also with me, the birthday boy, Glenn Lassenheiser. And Glenn, everybody is wondering what it was like to go to high school uh, with Dick LeBeau. <laughs> he, he, he was a nice kid a couple years behind me but he was a good kid <laughs> you're, you're old <laughs> alright we got a, a big show for you we're going to do the mailbag and news like always we're going to talk about the division and where we're standing right now our chances at winning we're going to go over some draft stuff since we're in the bye week here and then we're going to cover a little bit of the Denver game moving forward so let's jump right into it the mailbag first question Tony McCoy asks what should we do to keep Ware and Miller out of the backfield this week? We should probably block. That would be my, my first thing. Astute observation. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably block would be the first thing we should do. Uh, it's going to be tough, man. I know Von Miller's a monster. I don't think DeMarcus Ware's uh, as great as he once was, but we're definitely going to have to throw the double team on Von Miller. It's going to be tough. I mean, we got the guys to do it, but we're definitely going to have our hands full. I say you just run at Von Miller all day. Just run at him and wear him out that way. It's probably about the only thing you can do. Uh, if someone's going to break this, the tackle's not giving up sacks, this is the game. This is the week. Running downhill, obviously, uh, is going to help. I, I like that plan a lot. Really wearing them out in the beginning of the game. Um, another thing is just get rid of the ball quick. Move Mariota around. We have the benefit in our backfield of having a very quick uh, and fleet-footed quarterback. So... You know, get them out on bootlegs, um, especially if you can get them on a – if Ware lines up on the right side, immediately bootleg to that side because then you have the side that it's better for Marcus to to run to as a right-handed quarterback, and Ware just doesn't have the speed, um, you know, to keep up with him. And you do stuff like that. Get Mariota in situations where he can use his feet to buy himself more time in the pocket, uh, you know, to get out of the pocket and throw downfield. And, you know, and I know that they'll do crafty play calling. <clears throat> I know Robisky's going to try a lot of that. We've seen it a few times this year where he does the, the fake screen to the left and comes back and, and throws the screen pass to the right. Just don't get too cute. you got to remember, like, this team you're not going to have a lot of time with. So that play can easily blow up against a team like Denver. So those plays, you know, uh, screens, stuff like that, will work, but you gotta you have to be smart with it. You can't go to it a lot and you can't uh, surely can't stay in the pocket for very long. So those are some things that you can do. Another thing quickly is just do what the Colts did against us. Just drop seven guys to back the block every single time. You know, keep Murray and Henry in the backfield to block as an extra blocker. Um, both of them have been pretty solid this year blocking in the passing game. Get Jalston Fowler some time out there. That boy can lay out people and he a great pass blocker. Uh, another way that we could slow them down. Next question, 
is sent in by a good friend of the show, Devin Mills, and he asks us, do we? Do you think we have a better shot against Denver or Kansas City, and why? Uh, we've already went over this, so I have anyway. I, I really think Denver is definitely the easier matchup. They probably have bigger stars on their team, uh, bigger names anyway. But I mean, I don't know if you've watched Kansas City lately. Those guys have serious playmakers. Eric Berry being uh, ball hawk, he he ran back two yesterday. So definitely worried about Kansas City. I think that they have a more dynamic offense for one and probably a, a uh, overall around all around better defense. It's hard to say. I mean, I think that with Alex Smith and who probably will probably be pay- playing against Trevor Simeon, but Alex Smith is obviously uh, in a way better position to, to put up points on us than, than Simeon is. Overall, better run game, more experience all around. I think KC is definitely the harder matchup. I, I agree. Just, you know, like you said, quarterback play, uh, running backs with the uh, problems that the Broncos have had keeping people healthy, you know, in their backfield, that, that, that stacks up best for our defense. Their, their receivers are a lot better than what the Chiefs are throwing out there right now, but they don't have a quarterback who can really throw them the ball. As far as, you know, the, the Chiefs go – they have a good running game. They have that opportunistic defense, and we're playing at Arrowhead. Which I just, I, I really think the Chiefs are definitely the better team. And as good as Denver's defense is, I believe in Marcus's ability to beat them a lot more than I believe in our secondary's ability to contain and beat uh, Alex Smith. Yeah, I agree. I think Kansas City poses more of a threat. I think Denver's may still have the better defense. Um, it's even if, if it is better, Kansas City's is not far behind it. If you look at the offense, Kansas City obviously has the better offense. So overall, you know, they're, they're the better team. We watched these two teams play each other not that long ago. Was it last week? And, um, you know, Kansas City wins that game in a tight one. But I obviously think that Kansas City's the harder matchup for us. It's going to be a difficult game. Um, Alex Smith does not make many mistakes. Uh, even though he's not a guy that's going to you know, set the world on fire or set any passing records, he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He plays smart football, and that defense has been playing top-notch. Uh, you guys mentioned Eric Berry, who's just been on fire. Uh, definitely a harder matchup. I think Denver's a game, and we'll talk about it later, but I think it's, you know, uh, Vegas has us favored already uh, going into this game against Denver. That's not going to happen when we take on Kansas City. We'll move on to the last question here. Reg Bannock sends this one in. Do you see this being Kendall Wright's last year in Nashville? I do. I've I've said this before. I don't think uh, his heart's in it. For him to have such a successful game several weeks ago and then basically never be used again, I, I don't know how else anyone could take it. I don't know if his attitude shows in the locker room, and that's why we're not targeting him. Uh, he's definitely one of the more talented receivers that we do have, and the fact that we're not using him just – you know, screams like he's not coming back. I don't, there's no way unless we can get him. And I don't even really see us wanting to pay him what what he's going to be asking for. So I, I really don't think we see him either way. It would all have to be about value. We're obviously not going to pay him a lot. You don't pay your third, your slot receiver, a bunch of money. Uh, he, he hasn't been featured in the offense. He's had some really nice plays, but he, he's just, he's not that important to how the offense works. So if he'll come back cheap, you know, just to hang around with, this team and where we're headed, then you know, great, bring him back. If he's looking for money or a bigger role, he's going to have to go somewhere else. So I think that's the direction he ends up going. If nothing else, just for a bigger role. He's on the field for maybe a quarter of the plays and gets targeted like three times a game, if that. So it's just, this is not a spot where he's going to be able to succeed 
to what I believe are his expectations for himself. I 100% agree with what Glenn said. It was exactly what I was going to say. If he's okay with taking a smaller role, if he's okay with um, playing for cheap, um, and you know he, he wants to stay in Nashville, then obviously let's keep him. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to want to make you know some money. Yeah, I know this is a big contract year for him, uh, and. You know, judging by the way his health has been and productivity, especially with Rashad Matthews and the way that he's stepped up, there's really no incentive for us to pay him. We're likely going to take um, a wide receiver in the first round. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit. But that's going to be, I know, the future uh, of our franchise. It's not going to be Kendall Wright. You know, Rashad Matthews, we have a good piece there. Young Tajay Sharp, who has been really impressed this season. And then whoever we bring in in this draft if he wants to hang around and play a small role and take uh, doesn't, doesn't want a huge contract, then yeah, let's keep him. But I doubt that's going to be the case, and I think this is his last year with Tennessee. My thing is, is I don't think this is going to be a big contract year for him. He hasn't had a chance to go out there and earn a big contract, so I don't see anybody throwing a ton of money at him. Odds are he ends up having to do that, you know, take a one-year deal and go prove it somewhere on a team that will really use him. You know, I, I could see him ending up with, like, you know, the Giants or something like that on a a fairly cheap deal, but with a quarterback who throws the ball a bunch and just trying to go out there and earn a big contract because the Titans haven't given them that opportunity. Yeah, I agree. And I'll say this. I think if we matched whatever offer another team gave him, I don't think he would stay. I really don't think he likes it here, to be completely honest. Well, I think that he can see that the door's closing. And just to clarify, I meant big contract year as in his age. Uh, and, you know, this is normally where you get that huge contract. Not that he's going to get one. He's been far too injury prone uh, in order for him to, to earn a big contract. But uh, last question, Alan Strong asks, what would it cost to acquire Eric Berry in the offseason since his contract is expiring? Um, no idea, man, a lot. <laughs> whatever whatever Earl Thomas is making and some because he's probably the best safety today. And uh, I, don't, I wouldn't mind. I, mean, I know we have some cap space if he was willing to come. I know he's a, a local guy, but, you know, I'm pretty sure he's happy where he's at. I would probably invest in him if I was if I had the opportunity to grab him. I definitely would, but I, I know it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, it's probably not quite Josh Norman money, but it's going to be a lot of money. And like Matt said, I'd be fine with paying it. You know, you get a playmaker and a difference maker like that on your defense, that helps a lot. You know, so I'd be okay with it. But I don't see the Chiefs letting that happen. I think they match anything that anybody throws at him, unless you just you know give him Brock Osweiler kind of money. It's going to take a lot. You know, I think that you're right in saying that he'll probably end up being the top paid safety um, after this year. As it stands right now, he's the second uh, highest paid safety in the league behind uh, Tyron Matthew, who's making 12.5. Right now, Eric Berry's making 10.8. So we're likely going to see him get that close to 13, if not 13 a year, which is a ton of money for a safety. Uh, and I like Eric Berry a lot, but that is a huge cut into um, your salary cap for a, a for a safety, especially. Uh, I'm as much as I'd love to have him on the team. It is a very expensive contract to take on. I think if we did acquire Eric Berry, having a young cornerback to learn under him and under a new secondary with Dick LeBeau as our coordinator, that's an instant game changer. I think he would instantly upgrade our cornerbacks just from being on the field the thing is is you know McCordy's due what is it 12 13 million next year so if you're talking 13 million dollars for eric barry that's a pretty good value uh mccordy is going to be a contract issue that we're going to have to deal with this offseason because paying him 12 million dollars what you get from him 
that's that's going to be a much tougher sell than giving Eric Berry that kind of money. And if we do, you know, keep paying McCourty that kind of money, you're talking about you know twenty five million dollars in your secondary, um, just for half of your starting secondary, which is, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, I think yeah, you're right. Getting Eric Berry would be a huge upgrade, and you know he's he just drives fear into the heart of opposing quarterbacks. He's the kind of player, I agree with you, I think right now he is the best safety uh, in the game, uh, bar none, but that is a huge contract to take on, and and especially having his history with um, Hopkins lymphoma, which never goes away, it just goes into remission. So it can come back at any time. I mean, that has to factor in. I know that's terrible to say, but that has to factor into any contract negotiation that you go into is, is you know, is he going to be able to play? Is he going to have to take years off in the future? I just don't see Robinson spending that kind of money on anybody. Uh, right. he, he's definitely a, you know, build from the base. I mean, you saw what happened with the Patriots this year. You know, you got somebody who they think they're going to have to pay a bunch of money to next year. They trade him to the Browns. You know, I don't, I don't see Robinson spending a bunch of money bringing in somebody, even uh, such a huge difference maker like Barry. Unless it guarantees you a Super Bowl, you just don't spend that kind of money. That's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks, everybody, who submitted questions this week. I know a bunch of people asked questions about the division. Will we win the division? And questions like that. The reason I didn't select those is we're going to go over the division. Uh, And the reason I didn't take draft questions either is we're going to go over the draft in this episode. So thanks for everybody that submitted each and every week that you can submit by commenting on the posts that we put on our Facebook page, on our Facebook page at Two Tone Uncensored, and the group page, uh, Tennessee Titans Uncensored. We always put a a post up there that you can comment on. But we're going to head into the news here. Glenn? All right. It's bye week, kind of quiet. One thing of importance, Kevin Dodd is done for the year. That uh, lingering foot problem just never really healed up, apparently. I, I don't know that that's the reason why he's kind of been in the coach's doghouse in the last few weeks or not. Malarkey said there's a possibility he's going to have surgery. His uh, stat line for the year was one sack, five tackles. Uh, these you know, these stress fractures in your feet, they've ended a lot of careers, particularly of uh, basketball players. Malarkey said that Dodd is having a hard time practicing with it. It's affecting his performance. He's not happy about being put on IR and possibly going to have surgery, but they feel that this is the best thing for his future if they just have him go do surgery or whatever he needs to do now, rest the foot, and be ready next year. thing is, is knowing the kind of injury and what this has done to other professional athletes, is he starting to enter that bus discussion, or is this just a lost year and he's going to be a good producer for us later? Kevin Dodd's a guy I liked a lot. You know, I talked about him at the beginning of the season, and you know, we've heard earlier in the season, we've heard the coaches talk about an attitude problem a little bit with Kevin Dodd, and it makes you wonder if this injury had anything to do with that, with the you know the the not giving a hundred percent in practice. You know, but I'm not worried about him be going into the the bust territory right now because you know it's an injury prone season for him and we've seen a lot of guys you know come back from that next year's when if he comes out next year and he's you know constantly injured or just not performing I think that's when you start to worry about the the bust and and was it a waste of a draft pick but as of right now no I don't really worry about that right now yeah I've heard the bust whispers as well I I hope that the reason he hasn't been performing is is this injury um and I hope it gets taken care of I will say when we did take him as a Clemson fan I wasn't thrilled about it I mean I, I do like him I think he's got a lot of talent but there was definitely guys out there that 
I would have taken over him. I'm hoping he can definitely bounce back from this because, you know, we did take him with the first pick in the second round. So, you know, that's a very high pick for, for anybody. Let's just hope that, you know, this thing gets taken care of and he, he does get surgery. I know he, he's upset about it, but at this point in your career, you need to get it taken care of and you really haven't produced yet. So, you know, better start start over and just go full health next year. Yeah, try to get your career back on track now because once that contract's up, if you haven't managed to play because you're constantly out with foot injuries, then you're just going to fall to the wayside. You know, he's at this point, the discussion around him sounds a lot like the discussion about Kendall Wright earlier on in the year when we were waiting for him to come back from his injury. And you, you're hearing little comments from the coach like, we really could use him, we could need him, and people were just ready to bail on him. Then he had a big game and blew up. Everybody was cool. But we haven't used him much since then. You know, you're kind of hearing that same conversation around Dodd. Now, obviously, last year, like Matt, I wasn't real thrilled with him as a uh, high second-round draft pick. I would have taken him a little bit later. I've said several times I wanted that tight end Hunter Henry, who would have been, I think, a great pairing with Delaney Walker. Uh, the next thing I have is, obviously, with Dodd going out, we're promoting uh, uh, somebody from the practice squad. In this case, it's Justin Staples. We're bringing him back. I don't see him as being an impactful addition. He'll probably play a little bit on special teams some, but I think Justin Staples as a linebacker on this team is a, a minimal impact player. Yeah, agreed. He should see some time on special teams, but this is the time that you can make an impact. You know, the guys that make an impact on special teams are the guys that get those shots, uh, you know, to get more playing time as backups, and, and if they you know, obviously achieve there, then they'll be one day be starter. So this is the time to do it is make an example on special team. Yeah. Nothing really to add. I just, you know, I hope he does make the most of it. I, I'm not sure we do see him anywhere, but special teams, but we do need help there. So I'm thinking that's, that's probably a good situation to have a, another linebacker out there and he's, he's a solid tackler. So, I mean, it can't hurt. That's for sure. Yeah. It doesn't hurt us any because Dodd wasn't even dressing, you know, lately. So you might as well throw him back out there. Next bit of news I have for you, the NFL has unfucked themselves and realized that being super douchey and not letting the Titans and the Browns wear their Mike Haas cleats that they let everybody else wear this last week was probably not the best way to go about winning the hearts and minds of the fans. Yeah, this was obvious to me. Why wouldn't you let the two teams that are on by get to wear their, their Mike Haas, Mike cleats? It's a cool thing that the NFL is doing, and uh, you know, pretty neat. The guys get to use their platform to talk about charities that they care about. But then just because the team's on bye week, they don't get to participate in it. Uh, that's It was a stupid ruling to begin with, and I think the NFL saw that. And they corrected it, luckily, before it was uh, before the games and before it was a bigger mistake than it. Or they could have been a bigger mistake if they did not correct this. Yeah, they made the right move for sure. I'm actually curious to see. I know McCourty and uh, Delaney were definitely going to wear them, and I, w- I was curious to see who else was willing to take the fine to uh, to make a stand against the league. But unfortunately, now we won't get to see that. But but everybody else can can join in, I guess. I, I don't see what the big deal was to begin with. I mean, why, why bring it up for the whole league to have, and then the two teams that have a bye week are just disqualified from it? Stupid. Yeah, it's. It was definitely a bad look for the NFL. They they obviously got the message pretty quick, but so someone should have double checked that rules they were throwing that out there. Like, hey, is this going to make me look like an asshole? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not do that then. You know, that conversation should have been had before the media got a hold of all this. Whoa, Glenn! It's just a multi-billion-dollar organization. I think you're expecting a little too much. <laughs> you know, I'm just at my asking for some uh somebody who's paid way some too much money power. to go. You know, um. That may not be the best look right now. You know, just somebody. Speak up. (laughs) 
or else they're all just worried. You know, Goodell's like, "Fuck that, we ain't doing that." And then they're like, "I ain't saying nothing. I'm not getting fired." <laughs> I feel like Goodell spends his entire day with just like a Tom Brady voodoo doll, just ripping off the arms. <laughs> it's obviously not working because Brady is fucking up the league right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, the last thing I've got is uh, speaking of our own quarterback, PK is reporting that uh, Marcus has shaved the mustache, so he should come out clean shaven for this week's game. Is the Titan season over? <laughs> I don't know, man. My, he had a like a really. It was a good look. I mean, he got it. He had like this kind of like Freddie Mercury thing going on with that. Um, the real question for me is. Did Matt Castle shave? Because that was the best thing Matt Castle's done with his career. Screw that handlebar. That thing was mean. Um, no, obviously, this, it was cool that they grew it, you know, for the Movember thing. And it was a little sad to see it go. Well, it was not a good look, but you definitely took the words out of my mouth with uh, Matt Castle. That was the only thing I was really concerned about at this point. I definitely think it's it's going to benefit us. I, I don't like the whole Tom Selleck. Uh, what'd you call him, Freddie Mercury look? Not a good look. But uh, whenever I see a mustache, I think of Jeff Fisher, and I'm just trying to move past all that. So I love uh, Mariota, but that thing was nowhere near Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely not there. You know, he, he did look awful pimping there before that Colts game, but since we lost, that look has to go away. If we're undefeated during that stretch with the mustaches, you think he keeps it? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't fuck with that. <laughs> I don't know. But it didn't stop the team from coming out and playing like absolute dog shit in the first half against the Colts. So don't worry about it. All right, let's talk about the division here for a little bit, guys. Right now, uh, we're sitting technically tied for first and second place, though, um, behind the Texans. And then the Colts a game back from us. And then there's a giant uh, cavernous gap (laughs) between us and the, the Jaguars. I'm setting at, I believe, 2-10 and 10 right now. So moving forward here, obviously the we're recording this on Monday night. The Colts about to kick off against the Jets. Um, and then we have the rest of our season and this Texans season. So the first question is, we'll talk about the Colts. Do you think the Colts are going to be a factor moving forward? They're a game back. Do you think that they're going to be up there in the running when push comes to shove late in the season? No, I don't think so. I think the Colts, um, it, it all depends on these next couple games on, on where they, obviously where they end up. That's that's the obvious statement to say, I guess, but I don't see it. Uh, I think the Texans definitely have the upper hand in this division as of right now, and being 0-2 against the Colts and 0-1 against Houston, obviously that that doesn't let us uh, determine our own destiny at this point. So we need we need a few things to happen to go our way. Uh, but the Colts, I don't know that they're going to beat the Jets, and and obviously everybody's rooting for the Jets tonight. It's a, it's a big game. They play the Texans next week, so I mean that's that's going to be a huge game coming up. And and I really do think we have a shot against Denver. So these next two weeks are going to be very very critical. Yeah, the the only team that really has a tough schedule left as far as teams that matter in the AFC South is the Titans. We're playing two probable playoff teams in the next two weeks. And then the Colts and the Texans are the other questions about playoffs. So one of them should be going to playoffs if it's not us. You know, so we, we definitely have the harder schedule. Uh, the teams that we have uh, remaining have a combined 25 and 23 record. You know, the uh, Colts, their opponents have a losing record of 27 and 32. They're playing the Raiders, who they'll probably lose to. But they've got the Vikings and the Texans, so they've still got a couple of good defenses to go up against. The, the Texans, on the other hand, they only have a single opponent left with a winning record. That includes us. The combined record that they're going up against is 17 and 29. The Texans have 
the best look. Yeah, if they could just get past their terrible quarterback play, they'd have a shot at it. I, I, th- I think the Colts have as much of a chance of being in there at the end as we do right now, just because of our schedule. It's going to really be right down to the end. We've got to find a way to get a game up on somebody because it can't be the Colts. We need the Colts to lose tonight. We really need them to lose next week to the Texans because the Colts are 2-0 and on us. It's hard to say which one of those teams you'd rather see win. But you know, if the Texans uh, lose to the Colts, then the Colts have got more division wins. And they they're two and zero against us, and we can't possibly tie them for the division at that point. So that that screws our tiebreaker out of there. Then we have to win you know three games uh, to take the division. So it's going to be really interesting the next few weeks. But it doesn't matter if we don't take care of business on our side of it. We've got to beat the Broncos, and then we've got to beat the Jaguars and the Texans. If we lose to the Chiefs, it's okay. But we've got to win at least two, really three games, just so that we can have a game up because. We're behind everybody else in division division games. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys said here. And I know that by the time everybody's listening to this, um, this Monday night game obviously going to be well over by then. But if the Colts lose tonight, I think they're out of it. They'd be two games back behind the Texans and the Titans. I think that puts them out of the playoffs um, and out of playoff talk. Because then they would really, as easy as the Texans' schedule is, and as, and as good as Tennessee has been playing, they would have to win out from there. I don't see them. They're going to have a tough time against the Texans. I think they'll have a t- tough time against the Vikings, and I think they, they're they just going to lose to the Raiders. Um, and then they have the Jaguars uh, at home to finish off the season, which is a likely win. So I don't see them, if they lose tonight, I do not see them being able to uh, to come back. I think that it's over for them. But So this Monday night game, obviously, very huge. If they do win tonight, that creates a three-way tie for first place in the in the AFC South, which would become a problem for us because, as you guys said, we do have a tougher schedule. Um, that's what's going to be my next point here is let's just, let's just say that the Colts do lose tonight. They put themselves out of it. It comes down between us and the Texans. How many games forward do you think we have to win before you know these next three games before we play the Texans in the last game for that last game to matter? Well, Glenn already said three, and I, I agree with that. My my thing is, if the Colts do lose tonight, are you really going to root for the Texans next week? Because really, it's a win-win situation. If the Colts lose tonight, whoever wins between those two next week, to me, doesn't really matter. No, no perfect absolutely. scenario is Colts lose tonight and then Colts win against the Texans. Yeah, no, I agree. It. Uh, what I was talking about, I wasn't talking about you know, if, whether the Colts win or lose. If if the Colts lose tonight, that takes care of it, like Ryan said. You know, that gets them out of the way. And then you want them to beat the Texans so that we have an easier path. Absolutely. And if you look at the Texans' schedule moving forward, obviously the Colts, like we talked about, then they have uh, a bye week against Jacksonville. Then they take on Cincy at home, and then they travel to Tennessee. We saw the Bengals blow up in that last game, and you know, even though they've been having a god-awful season this year, they did perform really well in that last game that could – you know, provide a little bit of a, a surprise, kind of a trap game there. It's also an 8:25 game as of right now. Of course, you know the NFL has the or NBC has the um, the rights to switch out those games. But historically, the Texans do not play well in big games like that. Look at their Monday night schedule and their uh, their Sunday night. The history of this franchise, they perform very poorly in, in prime time games. So that could you know, benefit us, you know, Cincinnati still has a good defense, Andy Dalton's still, you know, I mean, better than average quarterback, and they have a good team around them still, so it, it could be 
uh, a trap game there. I hope that it stays a primetime game just because Houston always seems to suck it up under the big lights. So if they lose that game, that would obviously push them out. But yeah, perfect scenario is the Colts lose tonight and then come back and beat the Texans next week, and that sets us up pretty. But looking at our games that we have left, I would say to be comfortable, we have to win that game against the Broncos, obviously beat the Jaguars, uh, and then we can afford to lose that game against Kansas City as long as we can finish up and win against the Houston on that January 1st game. You know, let's not forget last year opening day when we was it last year or the year before where we whooped Kansas City's ass <laughs> unexpectedly and I mean just the other week we whooped Green Bay's ass unexpectedly so I wouldn't count us out of any game but I you know I don't I don't think we're running the table by any means but you know if we can somehow get this this win against Denver is going to be real big because then we're playing we're kind of playing with house money against KC at that point in the season the week after that with the Jaguars I kind of think they're they're at this point they're they're tanking. I don't see them playing for very much. Um, Gus Bradley's a a player's coach that that's gonna you know want to try to build his roster up and the guys are gonna play hard for him. But I mean I'm not too worried about that game. I really think that if we can get one up on the on the Broncos, we'll definitely have some serious momentum. Yeah, that's what it's gonna have to come down to is we've got to win this next game. If we don't win this next game, I don't think it really matters. We, we really need. It's entirely up to uh, the Texans and the Colts to lose everything else for us if we can't win against the Broncos. Because, like you guys have said, the the Chiefs game, winning that game is going to be so much harder than winning the Broncos game. And if we lose to the Broncos, where are our heads at going into that Kansas City game? And that's going to be a rough game for us to win. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's... I think this Denver game is a much must win for us, and I think you know we're coming out as as I said earlier, we're coming out and Vegas has us as the odds on favorite. That could be That's crazy. I know that obviously this team is going to struggle. If Simeon can't come back, we're going to handle this team. If well, it's Paxton Lynch, they're done. Simeon just got out of the walking boot today. They said so. They expect him back. It's not for sure, but I would I would probably bet to see him next week. And we'll talk about more about that game later. But as of right now, guys, what would you say? Uh, how you feel? We'll put it percentage-wise. Uh, what do you think our odds are of winning the AFC South? I kind of feel like about twenty-five percent. Uh, that's all the confidence I can muster, just based off of the way our defense has played the last few weeks, and you know the ups and downs that our team has had. Uh, I'd love for it to happen. I kind of think that we end up missing the playoffs at this point. Um. I'm going to price his right you, even though I think Ryan's going to price his right me. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and say 30%. I do. I feel the same way Glenn does. It's been too long since we've had a successful run. And I remember being optimistic, you know, the last few years, and it just turned into shit. And then until I see something different on the field, I'm always going to have that in the back of my mind. I think we have the talent. I really do think we are the best team in the division. But from how we've played – all year long up until this point, it's been too up and down. I mean, we, we can win these games, but will we is, is the question. I'm going to put it um, just the prices, right? You, <laughs> I'm going to put it at 40% <laughs> here. I'll say 50% belongs to the Texans, 10% belongs to the Colts. Just because where we're at, we are at at this point in this season. Yeah, I'm, and if you look, like Glenn broke it down for everybody earlier, we have the toughest road left. Out of these three teams, we have the hardest stretch coming up. It's definitely not impossible, though. 
the Texans have really, uh, you know, they started out pretty hot and they've really trended down since then. You know, the Colts are just one uh, Andrew Luck uh, injury away from being uh, worse than the Jaguars, really, to be honest. And, you know, so we are setting in a spot right now that's tough just because we have tough competition coming up. But if we really prove ourselves against that, you know, those competition, then I, even if we can get that one against the Broncos, I think we can afford to lose to Kansas City then. But it just goes to show you how important this week is for us. I think, you know, this is must win if we want to go to the playoffs. But we're going to head into a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk about um, some, do a little way too early draft preview and talk about this Denver Broncos matchup uh, a little bit more in depth. We'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. We have a message for the gentleman in the Nashville area. We have an event we want to make you aware of. Our good friend of the show, Brandon Williams, with the New Beginning International Ministry Church of God in Christ, is having a men's day service at 9 a.m. December 10th. That's the day the Broncos are coming to town. The men's day service is at 9 a.m., so you can attend and still go to the game. In fact, they are going to the game afterwards themselves, and they have 10 extra tickets available. They want to have an opportunity to communion with you and then take you to the game afterwards. It's a first-come, first-serve situation, so show up early, and the tickets are free. The address is 3670 Central Pike Suite G in Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. If you have any questions for Brandon, you can find him on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored group. He's there regularly talking Titans with the other fans. The phone number for the church is 615-586-1839. You can call them with questions as well. They do a Wednesday service occasionally. There will be another one upcoming soon. Come on out, meet some good people. Maybe go cheer on the Titans as they beat the Broncos. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rec hope didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast hosts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids!
You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back after that commercial break. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to jump right now into some draft talk. This will be our first draft preview for the 2017 NFL Draft, our way-too-early draft preview. Um, Right now, guys, after this week, uh, before, obviously, the Monday night game, as we were talking about, right now, if the draft was today, we'd pick 6th and 14th overall with that Rams pick. Um... So that keep that in mind. That's what we're going off of for these picks when we're talking about them. Is the number six, the number fourteen, uh, assuming we do not trade back in a situation. So we narrowed it down to three big needs. That's inside linebacker, cornerback, and wide receiver being the biggest three needs that Tennessee has going into this off season. So let's start at inside linebacker. And guys, it's really a, a tale of two guy, two backs here. And Reuben Foster, the senior out of Alabama, and Zach Cunningham, the junior out of Vanderbilt. What do you see in these two guys? I like Zach Cunningham the best. Um, I, I have also a couple other guys I have on there. My, my thing is, is if we don't end up taking this specific player or that specific player in the first round, then we're looking at the third round. So I still have some guys on my mind for that. Uh, Zach Cunningham, he hit Reuben are both really good linebackers. I think Zach gives you a little bit better, uh, a little bit better pass protection. Uh, whereas Ruben, he has all the speed you need, but he seems to get a little bit. He's a little bit easier to separate from in space. I think either one of them is an upgrade against what we've been fielding this season. Uh, we've watched our linebackers get just absolutely smoked all year long. Uh, if you were going to be picking somebody in the first round, I would take one of these two guys with that second pick. Uh, honestly, I'd prefer to trade down. And, you know, trade that first pick back a few spots to get that second round pick and do some more work. But if I was taking a linebacker in the first round, for me, it's Zach Cunningham. There's a couple of other guys I have written down here, uh, like Anthony Walker. I think he could be a really good linebacker if he could find a balance between his size that he, he bulked up this year and it slowed him down. If he could find that balance, that'd be nice. But he's not the pure athlete that Foster and Cunningham are that he, you're having that discussion Foster's a little bit bigger guy as far as mass, but Zach Cunningham, he's got three inches on Foster. He's got a lot more reach, you know, to interfere in the passing game. So Zach Cunningham is a guy I'm going with, then Foster. And then depending on what you're looking for later in the rounds, um, you could go with an Anthony Walker if you think he's going to have that balance and put him in a Dick LeBeau system. I think he could succeed. Uh, but he's not nearly as good in coverage. So the guy I would probably go with would be Jared Davis. Uh, I think if we trade into the second round or maybe with that top third round pick, Jared Davis is a guy that I would go after where he's a good tackler. He's got good fundamentals. He's very good in pass coverage. His problem is he doesn't shed blocks real well. And that's something you can work on him with. He's got all the other tools, but he can't shed blocks real well. Um, he, he lays out quarterbacks. He lays out running backs. He's got speed, he's got size, he's got everything else you want, but he, he needs a more of a project. So if we don't come up with uh, Zach Cunningham or Ruben Foster, I would say Jared Davis. Yeah, I'll be flat out honest with you. I've never seen Zach Cunningham in a real game. Um, everybody's raves about him. He's 
got great great size, decent speed. I've seen Reuben Foster play. That that guy is a monster. I don't think linebacker is the first pick we go with. And and really to be honest with you, I know those are our three major needs being the linebacker, corner and, and receiver, but I really think with our first Rams pick, I don't know that it's going to be necessarily one of those three. I think if there's a a star playmaker that's out there, whether we trade, I don't think we trade up for any reason. I don't think we need to. Um, The option of trading back is always there, especially with John Robinson making the call. I wouldn't be surprised if we moved back to take one of the positions we do need, or unless there's just a superstar waiting there, sitting there for us. Um, Never seen Cunningham play. I've heard great things about him. I've seen Reuben Foster, and he's very impressive. Later down the list, one guy that you didn't mention, Glenn, Raekwon McMillan. Uh, I followed him before his college career. He was actually looking to go to Clemson and ended up backing out and going to Ohio State at the last minute. But that that dude's a monster as well. I don't know what round he's projected in, but uh, he's, he's pretty high up on the board. As far as, like, later, later, um, there's a couple guys that caught my eye, one being uh, T.J. Watt, uh, J.J.'s little brother. He's sort of an inside and outside guy. I'm not sure if we really need a project like that. Um, and also later, later on, my boy Ben Ben Bulaware. I think he's going to be a solid uh, contributor somewhere, but I don't see him going high at all. We could get him later on. I, I really don't think linebacker's the pick, and if it were, I'd be – if we were to trade back a few spots, I'd be happy with Ruben Foster. See, uh, for me, I think that Foster, I think that Foster is the better of the two. Um, in my opinion, I've got to watch uh, both of them play. Uh, I do a lot of draft, draft preview kind of stuff, and and for you know the other show that I'm on, I'm, I'm like a draft nerd. I love this stuff, and I started to get into the inside linebackers, and I've watched these two guys. Both of them are fantastic athletes. To you know, just to start off, but Ruben Foster is um, bigger as as you said. He's sitting about six foot six one around that area, two hundred forty six pounds. It runs a four six forty at that size. Cunningham is six four, so you know a good bit taller, about two thirty, so a lot skinnier, a lot scrawnier than Ruben Foster is. But it's running a four seven four forty. It's a full tenth of a second difference between these two guys, and it shows. And their playing style. Cunningham plays that more of a longer kind of guy. His length really uh, helps him overcome the lack of speed. Uh, Reuben Foster's just a missile. I mean, he is uh, he is very quick for his size uh, and and more athletic of the two. Yeah, for me, uh, McMillan, as good as he is, he kind of reminds me of Avery Williamson. Uh, just not, not all that effective against the pass. He can obviously play it better than Avery does. But I just I have him more as the Avery Williamson 2.0 than these other two guys. Obviously, he's a really good player, though. So it would help us to pick him up later on. But like Ryan said, get, spending a high first-round draft pick on middle linebacker when you have the other obviously glaring needs in our secondary, you, you almost have to go that way. But like Matt said, if a superstar is out there and he doesn't play that position, Robinson would still draft him if he couldn't trade back. Yeah, and obviously it's all – you never know what's going to happen until you know the, the picks come. Honestly, I, I'm not so sure that one of these guys we're going to cover tonight is even going to be – like let's just hypothetically say we have the sixth pick. you got to figure out of the first uh, – 
first two, not first two, but out of those six picks, two of those are going to be quarterbacks. So you got to think about it. Who Who's the best defensive player on your board right now, any position? Best overall, any position. What's that kid from Texas A&M, that defensive end? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, I'm not saying he'll be there at six or if we even have that pick, but hypothetically, man, if, if him or somebody like that is sitting there for us, I wouldn't mind taking him superstar at number six, even if it's not one of our major needs. Oh, yeah, no, if, if you hang on to the pick – Go until draft day, and Miles Garrett falls to you. You absolutely take him. Would you Would you rather do that as opposed to trading back and addressing our needs? You know the way that more than likely John Robinson will. I would have to be sold on the guy. It depends on the guy, obviously, and I'd have to be sold. I would have to think that, and you know, there's never a hundred percent. You know, there's never a guy ever in the history of the NFL draft has there been a guy where it's like, oh, this guy for sure 100% is going to work out. Um, but if you were in that, like, 90% range where your guy just, like, blows you away, you maybe. I really think, though, that we're a team that has – I think we can get by with, without drafting wide receiver if we need to. I think we can get by without drafting an inside linebacker if we absolutely need to. I do not think we get by without drafting a cornerback. I'll say that. Uh, if, that's true. If, if it's at the expense of not getting a corner, then no, I wouldn't do it. Well, that's the thing, though. We're in a great position with these two first picks. Um, there's so many different ways we can go, and if it's not one of the top three cornerbacks, that doesn't mean we're not going to you know, get a solid corner later on. Um, it, obviously, it's all hearsay until, until the picks start flying, but... There's a lot of different options. We're sitting really pretty right now. And it's also, you know, way too early. We haven't even had the combine yet. So a lot a lot of these guys and their measurables that we're seeing on the different draft sites and that, you know, coaches and such are telling you, when they get to the combine and we find out that that six-foot player is actually, you know, 5'10", and he's off by, you know, 15 pounds and he runs a, a step slower in the 40, his draft stock just plummets. Uh, you, you can't make a good subjective call this early. So we're going off of what we've seen as far as, you know, if you've read stuff or if you've watched the game, it's all you can go off of right now. So it's this is obviously not our definitive, you know, draft show, but it's there's a lot that there's a lot that can happen between now and then as far as getting completely sold on somebody. And if Robinson waits till draft day, he may not. Uh, we may not ever have that pick, uh, you know, by the time the draft starts, he may have traded that away, you know, three weeks before and gotten us a, a mid-first and a, a second and a third or something. It just it depends on what happens. Yeah, but I a, mean... A, a pick like that is probably more of a draft day pick because it's not high enough to get a quarterback. So you got to wait and see if somebody starts following and someone wants to trade up. Yeah, you never know, man. Somebody's Twitter account can get hacked. You know, there's a gas mask <laughs> floating around. You never know what's going to happen. That gas mask ended up helping us out a lot. <laughs> to be honest now... That we've gotten to see uh, everything that Conklin is, it really did help us out. <laughs> Absolutely, and we're sitting beautiful right now. On top of that, oh yeah, no question. Absolutely, but but that's for, for inside linebackers. Give you some some insight there. Let's head on here. To, you know what we were just talking about is obviously our most pressing need is that cornerback. There's a lot. This draft class is very deep at corner. There's a lot of talent in this draft. I think you're going to see us probably um, 
get a corner early and draft. It's I mean, it's a deep draft at corner. So who are some guys um, that you think maybe at sort of 14 that will go out in this draft? The top two guys I like are not the odds-on favorite top two guys. Uh, I know a lot of people want Desmond King, uh, Tabor. He's out there. He's a guy I liked earlier. But Tabor's backfield mate, uh, Quincy Wilson, has come out. Uh, Wilson's got all the tools, and I think he's a better cover corner than Tabor. He's also he's got good height. He can play everything you want him to play. It, I, I think that uh, Quincy Wilson may surprise people and really jump up. He's he's one of those guys that you know he, he's he wasn't the flashy name, but a big corner with a great skill set. He, he could really solidify and take on the the big powerful wide receivers. Uh, so he could solidify a corner and go to work taking the best uh, player from the other team or the best receiver from the other team out of the picture. And the other guy I really like, who's not that high up uh, in most of these boards, and so he, maybe he's a guy you get a little bit later in the first, is uh, Dory Jackson. I, I think he's got the uh, speed. He's a good return man. He's got shut down man skills. You know, those two guys, if we were to walk away with those two guys for the first round, I'd be really happy. You know, I, I know everybody wants a wide receiver, and as deep as the cornerback class is, you don't have to spend both of your first-round picks on corner. But if we came away with those two, you're feeling a lot better about our secondary next year. Yeah, I agree. My my top corner on the board, I know a lot of, a lot of guys have um... – Marlon Humphrey as the number one guy. I don't necessarily agree with that. I wouldn't be upset taking him, but I do think Adoree Jackson is the top corner in this class. Um, like Glenn just said, great speed, good good man, coverage skills. And, and honestly, man, that's that's what we need. Um, the kid's a playmaker. I do like him a lot. I'm not huge on Tabor. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what Glenn had against Desmond King, but I think Desmond King's probably my second corner to go off the board. After that, I know you see Wilson was your next guy. Yeah, Quincy Wilson was my next guy. As far as uh, King goes, it's me not liking short guys. I think he's probably going to be another one of those five foot ten corners. So I think that makes him a slot. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. We do need we need an outside guy for sure. I, I'm not as in in tune to all these um, corners. If I haven't watched you play in, in real time. I really put no effort into into looking much up. Um, just to be completely honest, I, I'm I'm gonna definitely start looking into. It. I know it's a lot of time still to go, and, and we still got all the bowl games to look forward to. But um, my boy again from Clemson, Tankersley. I would not like him with either of those first two picks we have. I can get him. I think we might be an option, but he's he's probably I don't know fifth or sixth overall in my opinion right now. Yeah, I'm actually he's my uh, third guy. If we were to start looking towards you know second, third round people, um, yeah. I, I like Tankersley. He's got the skills. He's just not as fast as some of these other guys. Uh, my, my thing with like like you said, Marlon Humphrey, he reminds me of Devin McCourty. He's a good player. He's got the skill set, but he's not a playmaker. He's always going to be there, but he doesn't get turned around for the ball like we've seen you know with our guys. Uh, he. He's always in position. He's always covering the guy, but for some reason they still catch the ball over him anyway. I agree with that. He ends up. He doesn't turn his head around nearly enough. He's a decent size. He's listed at six one one ninety six. Um, you know he's fast at that speed too, and he is one of those guys. Good athleticism. 
good size, he's fluid, uh, but he never gets his head around. Uh, he really struggles with that. I think Humphrey, though, can be worked with. He's a, I think he's a lot rawer than people think he is. This is definitely really, not a, a finished product you have in Humphrey. I think we need to start testing the uh, the head turning at the combine. That's huge. Absolutely. It's a huge factor. But a couple <laughs> of the have um a couple of the guys that I have at the top of my list and I agree with you is is I had Tabor at the top of my list for a while um and then pushed him down. Because uh, I've noticed stuff in his game that I don't like that much. Uh, he's listed at six foot one ninety nine, which I think is greatly embellished. Tabor uh, to me looks more like um, a tall five ten or a short five eleven. Uh, he's not a grip big guy. I think I agree with you, uh, Glenn. I think that he's the second best. He's he's the best cornerback in his on his college team, but he'll forever be known as the second best to come from his college that year. Because I think Wilson has better size. He's longer. Uh, I think he plays better in man coverage. Um, I don't think you can use Tabor in man coverage very often. He's not big, and he does not stay with guys when he needs to. And he get he can get eaten up on head fakes a lot too. I've noticed. But the one benefit is is he's been seeing a lot of floating balls. Is He's had time to get back under him, which you're not going to get. And another thing is I've been seeing that he has a 4-5-40. I've saw it on a lot of sites, which is really slow for a guy of his size. Um, just a guy that I'm not really big in on. I don't like Desmond King that much because he's another guy that's 5'10". He's running that 4-5 speed. Uh, he's a 201 pounds, so he's a little bit bigger, but that, I mean, just pretty slow for a corner at this level he's short he does have great instincts he's a really fantastic tackler uh, king wraps up on everything that's around him but you know the speed's going to be an issue for him at the next level the guys that i really do like is a dory jackson i know he's only 5'11 but the guy burns he's running like a 4'3 5'40 reportedly you know he could play both ways uh, on the football and special packages, you can have him coming on offense. The returning skills that this kid has is an instant plus for us. Um, you know, if he came to Tennessee, we've had constant problems with uh, the returning game. And even now, you know, Mariani doesn't make mistakes, but he doesn't make returns either. Uh, Adoree Jackson's a guy that can come in, play on the outside. You can put in man coverage um, and can make a big difference for your team in the special teams. And you could also... You know, kind of use them on the offense. We've seen UFC do it a little bit, and I think you could do it, uh, you know, even more than that. I uh, and another guy that I really like is uh, Jordan Lewis from Michigan. He's five eleven, one eighty six. Another guy that's he's on four low four three or no low four four. Just excuse me, a uh, little undersized, and he's this guy's not a ball hawk. Not going to get a lot of interceptions, but he's really good uh, in coverage. He, you know, he gets to the ball. He's not. You know, he kind of has bricks for hands, but so did Jalen Ramsey coming out, and we saw how good Ramsey's been. Uh, and he's just a guy that's always in the right place at the right time, it seems like. I like him a lot. I think that he's going to slip down, though. It's a guy you could trade back and get. Another name that comes up is Sidney Jones. Yeah, I think that he's he's listed at six foot, and that's a very questionable six foot. Another guy that's too slow for his size, though. A lot of guys coming out, I just don't like how slow they are for their size, where they're a little bit undersized at corners. And guys at the NFL level that are undersized at corners are guys that can run 4 three forties. Um, and we're not seeing that. We're seeing guys that are undersized and running four five forties. 
I just don't think that's going to work. I think Adoree Jackson has pushed himself to the top of my list. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see these guys in the combine, see what they really run. Um, a lot of these guys, like Ryan just said, they're undersized and they're not fast. Where does that? How does that happen and how is that a good thing? Uh, I noticed a lot this last draft. Uh, last This last draft wasn't a really good cornerback draft, and this one's supposed to be a great one. But it seems like the secondary players are all getting slower the last few years, and I'm not sure what that's about. Um, Jordan Lewis, he's a guy I had tagged. I like him, but the more I watch him, he just I'm not sure how much help he's going to be tackling anybody. You, you, like you said, he's a little bit short, but he's also a little bit lean. Uh, he's he's a kind of a skinny kid, so I'm not sure – you know, as far as can he game, can he get receivers down, or is he going to be falling off of people like Blake did? That's the one thing I think can push Humphrey up. Is he is raw, he doesn't get his head around, but he's got great size and he's fast. He's running that four four nine, you know, at a, uh, with six one one ninety six, which is you know pretty quick for a corner of that size. I think that's something that could push him up. Not saying that I want him because I don't, and we have more than enough corners on our secondary that don't know how to turn them around. So not a guy that I really want, but is a guy that I think well, you'll see push up because I think Humphreys is one of those guys that's gonna you know blow away the combine. He's gonna got guy that's gonna have a great workout, get everybody talking, and you know and then come suck it up on your team. Uh, not a guy that I want. I like Dory Jackson the most. I think Devin King. I mean, sorry, Desmond King is still my second. And I know he's slow, but the guy is. He, I mean, he has great instincts, nonstop motor. He's probably the best tackler um, out of everybody in this cornerback draft class. Um, we've seen him return uh, punts and kicks, although kind of slow for that. But he does a good job at it, and he just seems to always be in the right place, right time kind of guy. Quincy Wilson as well I have really high on the list. Um, I just, from what I've seen so far from Tabor, it's just I'm not seeing what everybody likes. I think he's, his measurements have been really embellished. I think he has under. He's kind of slow for his size. He has trouble with head fakes and double moves at times. I'm just not. His benefits. He's playing from quarterbacks that can't throw. You know those stingers at, at 40 yards, at 30 yards. You're, well, you're going to play those guys week in and week out in the NFL. He he's benefited from a lot of floaters that he has the time to get under. You're not going to see a lot of those at the NFL. Yeah, that's the thing about him that I as I watched more of him and became more enamored with Quincy was that. Tabor wasn't getting challenged, and whenever someone made a mistake against him, it was usually just you know a bad quarterback play, not so much him making a great play. Whereas Wilson is all over everybody, and with his size and speed combination, I think that he is definitely the better of those two guys. It's just we didn't expect uh, him to come out this year. Uh, the everything I was hearing was that he was staying, and then just you know a couple weeks ago, started hearing rumors that he was coming out, and now a few of the. Uh, NFL guys have tweeted that you know he's he's coming out. So if he's going to be there, Adoree Jackson, then Quincy Williams for me. That would be one beautiful draft, wouldn't it? <laughs> You'd feel a lot better about the secondary going into the next season, even if they are both rookies. We covered the corners a lot there, guys. Let's move into probably the the sexiest of the wide receivers. This is where a lot of people like to look. You know, it's the the offensive side of the ball always gets more attention, and I know that there's. A guy out there that uh, Matt's real fond of. But a few guys at the top here, and then I think it really falls off after, in my opinion, the first two, three guys, I think it falls off. But there's still that second group that's going to go late first round, early second round is thick and very talented. So what are you looking at here in the wide receiver group? 
for me, obviously, um, 6'3", Mike Williams. The dude's a monster. Uh, every time I watch him, I, I try to envision him instead of wearing orange, wearing two-tone blue. The guy goes up, gets pretty much any ball thrown his way. Uh, he had a he had a small fracture in his neck last year, and it, it, it took him out for the whole year. I honestly think, and this is true Homer speaking, I honestly think uh, if we had him last season to go into the title game against Bama, we would have had a legitimate shot. He's a difference maker. In my opinion, wide receiver is probably not the second most needed position. I think we do need a linebacker ahead of a wide receiver. But I think Mike Williams is a special talent that I wouldn't mind taking with our first pick. Um, He's that kind of player, in my opinion. After that, there are a couple guys that are are not on his tier. But um, if we were to wait later on in the the first, I think my second guy would have to be John Ross out of Washington. Um, definitely a different type of receiver. If we're taking a receiver in the first round, I want Mike Williams, you know, point blank period. But after, after Mike Williams, I think John Ross is probably my second guy. And after him, Juju Smith Schuster is probably the next best. I know there's, there's a, a lot of guys are high on Curtis Samuel, who I don't know. I disdain for Ohio state that, that makes me not want to take him talented guy but like i said if we're gonna go receiver with either pick whether we back or stay where we are or whatever the case anything in the first round the only guy i want is mike williams and i agree uh the only real difference in the first round to me would be mike williams uh you you could look at Corey davis he's a really good receiver uh he's got the polish he's got great size he's probably second guy i put but i'd want him later back, depending on how far back we traded. Juju Smith, I feel like he's a little overrated. There was a lot of hype on him, but it, in watching his tape, which I watch of, but the tape, you know, it seems like you can shut him down. He's not as elusive as I thought he would be watching him this season. Uh, you know, people asked us earlier on in the year what we thought about Juju, and we were all very high on him, and he's still a really good receiver, but he's more of a possession guy. He's not a game changer to me like Mike Williams is the only flag I got on Williams is that neck injury. Um, I just scares me, but as long as he's not like jumping up in the air and then falling down on his head, it'd probably be okay. Um, if you weren't taking a Mike Williams or a Corey Davis, then that's, you know, you're talking later on. Maybe we traded down some Juju is still a guy you take because he's going to get that ball. He's going to play well. It just it takes a special corner to isolate him and make him go away. But it seems to me like you can counteract and shut down Juju. I don't think anybody can counteract and shut down Mike Williams. I think he's a, you know really a special receiver. So if I'm taking someone anywhere around the mid, it's Williams. Uh, once you drop down from there, you know I like Corey Davis, uh, Juju probably second rounder for me. John Ross, I like him, but he's more like Kendall Wright 2.0 to me. Uh, that just doesn't blow me up. Um, there's a guy, uh, Cortland Sutherland. I know that some he, he's kind of ranked all over the place. He's kind of like Mike Williams without the neck issue, but you worry about his level of competition. He's from M- uh, SMU. You haven't seen him play against guys to know that he can't be shut down. There's every chance that he can be shut down, whereas Mike Williams, I think at this point we know he cannot be shut down. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and mention him. Everybody knows it's coming. D.D. Westbrook, uh, 
if you're not going to take someone high, you're going to wait till the third round to get that wide receiver because, like Matt said, I think cornerback, middle linebacker are much bigger priorities. You know, if Didi were to somehow win the Heisman, then sure, yeah, he's going to go real early. But I don't think he will. He's probably really late first, probably more of a second-round guy. But he's got the playmaking ability. He's a great return man. My problem is he's not very big. He can be blown up, so he won't be making a living across the middle. If you want to keep him healthy, you have to keep playing for you. I agree with what you got, Williams, being um, you know the standout leader of this pack. His numbers are phenomenal this so far this season. Uh, his catch radius is outstanding. It's huge. Um, you know, you can throw it anywhere around him. Throw balls behind him, um, and he always seems to come up with the catch. As long as he can get his like one finger on it, uh, Mike Williams is bringing it in. I think you know he's listed at, at six three two oh five. I think it might be embellished just a little bit from what I've seen. A lot of people say that he's closer to about six uh, one. Very, very high six one, very, very low six two rather than six three. But we'll you know, we'll see all that stuff coming out. He's still an excellent wide receiver. The the neck injury is the one red flag. Two minor things for me is him shedding press coverage. Sometimes it takes him a little long to get out of press coverage. And then his intermediate routes. Obviously he runs fantastic short routes. He runs a really great deep route. His intermediate routes sometimes he Cuts turns instead of you know really sticking his foot in there and going one way, um, but that's stuff that's really easy to change um, going into the next level, especially you know route running. Clearly, then the number one guy coming out. I'd love to have Mike Williams on our team. I think he's he's a, a huge playmaking guy, and I think the more that you're going to see of him, and the you know when he goes to the combine, when he does his pro day, I think he's going to shoot up. I think by the time we're drafting, there's going to be no getting Mike Williams at 14. I think this is another guy, like we were talking earlier with Foster, that it's either get him at six or don't get him. Because I think that you're going to see Mike Williams keep trending up, especially now he's going to get to you know, play against Ohio State. And if they win that game, he's going to get to play for a national championship game. So a lot of people getting some, some extra eyes on this guy. And he's been playing fantastic. I think if we do not get him at six, we're not getting him. Um, I, then you I have agree. like a group, I think, that's all kind of the similar. Juju Smith really impressed me at first. And the, as we go on, really has not impressed me. He seems a bit slower in the second half of the season. He's had the fumbling issues. Um, he's a piss poor blocker, which really doesn't fit in our system. I mean, we you know we run the ball a lot, and you kind of have to be. And we run around the edges a lot. So wide receivers, we demand that they be able to to seal off edges. And you know Smith is not the guy to be able to do that. He is a shit blocker. Um, you know, we have guys like Rashad Matthews has been a fantastic blocker. If you watch this season, he's been awesome for us. We need guys like that that are willing to block, and, and Juju Smith's just not that. Uh, Session from Michigan is a guy I do like. He has everything that you'd want except for elite speed. He's not a guy that's going to burn you at all, especially for his size, coming to like 6'2", uh, 205 to 208 or in that range. Uh, he has everything but that elite speed, and and we've seen a lot of guys be able to do it without that. Uh, so that's a guy I like a lot. I do not care for Corey Davis. Uh, he has good size, but he's slow, and you know I think that he has really benefited from playing against very weak competition in the MAC, uh, and I think his production's a result of that. I I don't like him very much at all. I think you're going to see him drop um, and continue to drop as we head into. I think he's going to be a mid second rounder by the time the draft after comes around. And real quick, Westbrook I like. 
I think the kid out of Baylor, KD Cannon, is almost the exact same thing that you can get out of Westbrook, just like the poor man's version of him. They're about the same size, about the same speed. Uh, you know, Westbrook's uh, a little bit more of a playmaker, and that, and I think that, you know, obviously benefited from being in a better offense. But they're pretty similar, so if you can't get Westbrook, I think you get Cannon in that later second round is a similar product. But John Ross is a guy I wanted to talk about a little bit. They're reporting out of Washington that he's running a 4-2-9-40, which is just lightning. I mean, that's unbelievable. And the last time we drafted a guy that could run 4-2 speed, we had a lot of luck with that guy. Uh, you know, I think when, if he runs that 40, if that gets certified in the combine, I think you're going to see this guy shoot up draft boards uh, because, you know, we all know that that type of speed is very rare. Um, he's a guy that needs to clean up his, his route running a lot. Uh, he's absolutely a dangerous, very dangerous return man. And, you know, that speed's enticing. So I'm very intrigued to watch John Ross run his 40 at the combine. You know, it's obviously an overrated, the 40 times very overrated stat when it comes to wide receivers. We've seen that. Jerry Rice ran a 4-7. But if you're running that 4-2-9, that is something otherworldly. So I'd like to see if he can live up to that in the, when it, you know, in the combine and in his pro day. Yeah, before we get off of this topic, let me bang on the uh, Mike Williams drum one more time. They're saying that he's got Homer. the potential. <laughs> it is what it is, man. I want him. They they are saying that he has the potential, and obviously he hasn't done anything in the league yet, so it's all hearsay. But he has the potential to be the best receiver out of Clemson ever. That's including Watkins, Bryant, Hopkins, um, anyone you want to name. And, I mean, we have never had a receiver – of that caliber, I think we I think we should take him. If we're if there's not a, a a lights out prospect with that six pick or seven pick or whatever we have, I think he's the guy. And I I wouldn't argue if we took him with our top pick. I, I'd like to trade back like three three or four spots, but that trading back to three or four spots is going to be for somebody like a Foster or a Williams. Uh, so if you do trade back, you probably lose that shot at those guys. Uh, so. If we took Mike Williams, I agree. He looks like the best guy to ever come out of Clemson to me. Uh, he, he looks like one of those just can't-miss prospects at wide receiver that you sign this guy, you've got your Julio Jones, you've got your A.J. Green. It would be really awesome to give Marcus that kind of a weapon. It may not fill the biggest need, but there are a few linebackers that we can get later on that we can in there put in there and rotate around on passing downs that are better coverage guys than uh, Woodyard or uh, Avery Williamson, that we can get those guys for passing downs, and we can use those guys to help cover tight ends on passing downs. Uh, There's plenty of cornerbacks on here. I mean, we obviously have our favorites, and I don't think if you wait very long, you're going to have any chance at uh, uh, Adoree Jackson if he runs anything like the times that they're talking about him running. I think he goes early, so I don't think he'll be there for our second pick, particularly if we make the playoffs. But Quincy Wilson might still be there. Uh, you could probably still get a good, serviceable uh, cornerback. We don't have to get a shut-down, world-beater corner. We just have to get somebody competent. So if you took Mike Williams early and you gave Marcus and the offense that weapon, and then you just put somebody who can do the damn job on the other side of McCourty, 
our defense is a world better already. You don't have to have superstars at every position if people just do their damn job. Not only that, Glenn, if we take Williams with the first pick, I don't care if we draft defense the rest of the way. Like I'd be happy if we took defense the rest of the way. It needs it needs to be addressed for sure. But to get a playmaker on offense is something we definitely need, and I think he's the guy. I would still want a tight end. Um, I, I think we need to get another tight end here to get in with Walker to be fully established by the time Walker's ready to be done. Uh, Walker looks like he's going to play forever right now, but he's not a young guy. Uh, he's he's going to be 30 here in a year or so, and we need to go ahead and get that next guy in there and establish him. Hey, Glenn. But, yeah. Jordan Leggett. <laughs> I'll take him. He, he's, yeah. <laughs> he, he's fine with me. There are several really good tight ends in this one. I think if we traded it back into the second round, we could get. And that they could be future stars for us. Uh, there's there's opportunities out there. But if you're taking a wide receiver in the first round this year and it's not Mike Williams, I think you wasted your pick. Everybody else, to me, you know, it's probably a second round. John Ross, I mean, if he runs that 40 time, that's amazing. That's awesome. He doesn't blow me away with anything else he does, but he is blazingly fast. So it lets you do some crap like you see with Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. He, he could be that all-purpose guy that you just you throw all over the field, you put the ball in his hands, and crap happens. Yeah, especially and, that, with and the, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, especially with like the you know the kind of we keep calling it the cute play calling that Robisky runs. Um, John Ross would be a nightmare in some of those plays. You know, you get them the ball in the flats with nobody on them for ten yards. I mean, that's that could very well be a touchdown. You know, he's that kind of player. But I agree. It's I think you go Mike Williams or you don't go wide receiver in the first round. Uh, I think that's going to be something for us that we have to do. The one thing I will say is I, I hope that we address besides tight end uh, on the offense, besides wide receiver. And, you know, this is not 100% necessary, but something I'd like to see is some depth at interior offensive line. And you get in that fifth, sixth round, uh, get some guys that can play guard. You know, it's... I think we have some guys that can start for us, but we def- desperately need depth on the offensive line. Yeah, there's a few guys out there who could be, you know, tackle on either side, who could also play some guard. I mean, Ke- Kelly's he's played really well this year, but I'd like to have somebody else out there. Uh, we are really thin at the offensive line, but at least we don't have to get a starter. So we, we can do that third, fourth round and find a multiple-tool guy who can help fill in our offensive line for next season. Absolutely. I hope we keep Kelly because he's really stepped up, and now we have a backup tackle that can play both sides that looks good. Uh, you know, we get keep him around and then get a guy that can really play. Because I like Kelly. I just don't see him playing very well, as big as he is, on the interior of that offensive line. So you get a guy that can back up uh, Quentin Spain if he keeps developing and, you know, what you know we, whatever happens with Warmack, I guess, you know, we'll see. But get a guy that can play on you know right and left guard, that I think would definitely help us out. But I don't want to see us take anybody early on the offensive side of the ball except for Mike Williams, and that that includes like out of everybody. I do not want to see anybody in the first probably three rounds taken that's not uh, a defensive player unless it's Mike Williams. Can't argue that. And look, looking at the, uh, the the Monday night game here, it looks pretty much like the uh, Jets are going to let us down and the Colts are going to win. So we definitely need to win this week. Believe. They suck Believe. balls. Hey, you know, you know who scored twice? Dwayne Allen. <laughs> yep. You know where Dwayne Allen's from? 
Nobody cares. All right. <sighs> now you're being real on this, like you owe a dollar thing. You'd be one <laughs> poor motherfucker, Matt. You know that. <laughs> hey man, I'm just just running with it at this point. If you're in the South Carolina area and you see Matt out there holding his sign because he can't feed his family, drop by and give him a buck this week. Would you please? <laughs> All right, guys. So if you have both picks in the first round, you can't trade them away. You have to take them right here, 6 and 14. Who are you taking? I'm going to say I take Mike Williams and Adoree Jackson if he's there, if not Quincy Wilson. Um, that's pretty much where I'm going, although I don't know, don't even know who Quincy is, so I wouldn't go with him. Uh, Dory is my top corner. I, I do say we go corner. Um, uh, to make it plain and simple, I'll say Mike Williams and Dory Jackson. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, but I'll switch it up here and I'll say you get a, jo- a Dory Jackson with a sixth, uh, and then get John Ross. With the uh, with the fourteenth, just to switch it up. But I was gonna say exactly what you guys said there. But a, a very interesting. You know, we have a lot of time leading up to the draft, and we're gonna bring you guys a lot more draft coverage uh, as you know the weeks roll on, especially as the season comes in. Now in there, there's a very defensive uh, sided draft, very deep on the defensive side of the ball, which is exactly what we need. All right, let's head into the last part of the show. We're gonna talk about this upcoming at the Denver Broncos. We've touched on it throughout the show tonight. Um, the December 11th game at home um, with the Broncos c- coming in to visit. Uh, just right off the bat, what's some things that are really going to stick out to you in this game? Just basically how we start out the game is most important. I think if we can start fast, is, is, that's the main goal, is to start out fast, not put ourselves in a hole, and just run with some momentum. Um, we definitely got to run the ball. I want to see both Murray and Henry run the ball. We need to definitely open up our playbook on a great defense. I know it's not going to be easy. That and obviously tackling is, is, is a major, major issue that's that's plagued us all year. We definitely need to put pressure on Simeon. More than likely it'll be Simeon playing us. If it is Paxton Lynch, I'm all for it. I, initially I said I thought Lynch was probably the better quarterback, but after watching him this past week, that's definitely not the case. We just need to start strong and, and, and finish strong. I mean, it's it's four-quarter game, and as long as we don't dig ourselves in a hole, I think we got a legitimate shot. Yeah, Matt said it. You know, you've got to stop Devontae Booker from hurting you. Devontae Booker is a pretty good back. He's a rookie, but he's a pretty good back. So if we tackle him well and we can get in Simeon's face and make him make some mistakes because he will do that for you, then we could score with these guys probably. Um I said it earlier in the show, and I'm going to stand by it. I think you come out here and you just muscle the crap out of the Broncos. They've got a really good front seven. So going out there and beating these guys up, it may not happen, but you're not going to find out till you try. and You're going to have to do it for a while to prove it. Go out there. I mean, Vaughn Miller's a, he's great in all phases of the game. He will stop you from running the ball at him. But I think if you go ahead and you put Jolson Fowler out there and have him go hit Von Miller first, or at least make Von Miller move to the side so that you have a chance to make a move on him and get away from him. You can run the ball at him. Uh, if you try to run away from him and run it where, Von Miller's going to catch you from behind. Uh, he's just that fast coming back across the field. And it's not like they don't have good safeties and their inside linebackers can't make plays. Uh, this is a really tough team to run on. It's a really tough team to pass on. I believe our offense can get stuff 
done if they play well. But like Matt said, they got to come out hot. They got to be ready to play. If we come out any kind of slack, we're, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get behind early. And it may be over by the time we get around to playing football again. Yeah, Trevor Simeon right now is listed as day-to-day. Uh, Gary Kubiak has said that there's he's definitely progressed. Uh, Matt said earlier he's got the boot off. Um, he's still questionable. Uh, you know, Gary Kubiak is supposed to tomorrow give an update on his progress. But it's looking like he's probably going to end up starting. And, and even with Trevor Simeon, this is a, a still beatable team for us. We have to get pressure on Simeon. We have to maintain pressure on Simeon, force him into bad mistakes, um, and really help out our offense. And then offensively, I think you give him a healthy dose of Derrick Henry this week. Let that big fella bruise up that defensive line, um, and then let uh, you know your star running back, DeMarco Murray, come in and just tear him apart. Uh, as for Mariota, you got to play mistake-free football. And in this game, more than any other this season, you have to be mistake-free. You cannot give Denver the short side of the field. This is probably going to be a low-scoring affair, as good as their defense is. So every inch is going to matter. Yeah, Mariota holds the keys to the car. He he definitely needs to show up and uh, take this team to where we need to go. Yeah, this is one of those games where you can see where if you had Mike Williams out there or you had a second tight end who you could trust to play out there with Delaney, you could do some different things and change the way the offense looks. And then – you know what? What do you do about play action whenever you have, you know, a, a Mike Williams or Leggett out there, and you're doing play action off of, you know, Henry and Murray? That that's a much bigger problem to deal with that offense. Uh, with what we're bringing up there right now, their Stop corners it, are Glenn, capable of shutting our guys down. I, I, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> it, it, if if you blow a load before I finish speaking, then my job is done. You know, just <laughs> Matt just quit the show. Uh, <laughs> but well, no. Oh, because Matt's over there doing it because it's Mike Williams that I'm talking about. And Jordan Leggett, man. You, might, Jordan you, didn't, even, you didn't even realize it. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that was a Clemson guy. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the, the, it won't take many picks to make this offense incredibly hard to stop next year. The defense is what, you know, we obviously need to address in the draft. Their, their wide receivers are much better than our corners, but their quarterback is much worse than our defensive front seven. We should be able to get in there and rattle him and move him around. Simeon's made some nice plays this year, but he's made some stupid mistakes. He, he's not a great player. And there's, you know, Austin Davis might be more of a concern to me than Trevor Simeon, really, because Austin Davis is used to standing there and throwing the ball real quick. You know, again. Is that, is that the former Ram, Austin Davis? Yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think he's a better quarterback than Paxton Lynch at this point in his career. You know, Simeon has he's won the trust of his teammates, so that makes him a dangerous man. But really, if we can control their running game and make Simeon beat us, I think that he can score on us because our corners are that bad now. With uh, you know, we, none of us have a problem with Cox being gone, but now Blake is that much more involved. Now we're rotating rookies in there. It's going to be a lot harder to slow down the likes of Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. Those guys are going to be a problem for us. They've got Virgil Green, who's a really quick tight end, going against our middle linebackers. Have they named the second? Have they named the second starter yet? For who? For us, our cornerback. Who's is Blake the one taking the spot? Uh, yeah, uh, no, McCain, McCain is, I believe. Okay, cool. cool. But uh, I don't think they've really named him. They just said they're going to rotate everybody. 
Ugh. No, it, exactly. It, it's not a happy moment when you look at what we're going up against as far as offensive weapons go after their quarterback. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. Like Ryan said, it could be very low scoring or it could be very high scoring. Um, I think if the score climbs up there, that's because we're losing because our secondary is just that bad. Yeah, I just pulled up the depth chart, and that's, it's got McCain uh, opposite of McCourty and, and Blake behind McCourty, so Kalen Reed behind McCain. Hopefully we don't see much of Blake, man. I, I can't take it. No, I agree there. I think on, like I said, on offense, I think Mariota's the X factor. He has to perform very well in this game, um, you know, which he's very capable of. This is He got AFC Offensive Player of the Month for of November for a reason. Uh, you know, because he's been playing lights out. So I have 100% faith in him. On defense, I think the X factor is going to be Bryce McCain. You know, he, he played well in that game against the Bears. He was like the only corner that we had that played well in that game. Uh, and I think you're going to see him on Emmanuel Sanders a lot. I think you're going to see Demarius Thomas being the, you know, the bigger wide receiver. McCourty's going to take him. Emmanuel Sanders being more of the speed guy. You're going to see McCain on him. And so it's, that's going to be a key matchup is can McCain keep up with Sanders? Can he slow him down in this game? And it's going to be a huge, huge matchup if we can win this or not, is how well McCain plays. That does not instill me with confidence. <laughs> I have faith. I'm not going to lie. I do. I'm not like 100% by no means. But McCain's been playing better uh, in the second half of the season than he did in the first half. Uh, and I, I do have faith. I don't think he's going to shut him down by no means or anything like that. But I think he has the ability to slow uh, to slow Sanders down and and make his make it hard for Simeon to find him. That's all you got to do is just cover for you know the four seconds it's going to take for our offense or for our defensive pressures to get there. Because keep in mind, Denver's offensive line is not that good, and they've had injury problems along that offensive line. So the pressure is going to be a big thing, and McCain just has to stick with him for three or four seconds. And and uh, Simeon's not going to be able to get the ball there. Let's hope. Or maybe not good, yeah. but workable. It, it, competent. It's all we really got to have is competent. That's all we need. <laughs> all right, fuckos. All right, what's your – we'll do real quick before we get out of here. What's your predictions this week? I'm going to say – I'm trying to think. Best scenario I see working out for us is we'll say 24 to 17. That's the best that can happen. I'm 50-50 on whether we can win this game or not. Uh, so best it could be if everything works out well, 24-17. I'm going to say it's a low-scoring game. Um, let's go 20-10. to I'm going to – yeah, I think it's going to be really low-scoring. I'm going to say 13-17, um, Tennessee winning. And I think it's going to be a tough game. I think we can pull out a win here. And like we said earlier, this is a must win for us heading into the playoffs as easy as our conference opponents are going to have it, you know, the next the upcoming weeks. This is a must win. we got to be able to pull this one out. So that's all we have for this week. Our uh, poll question this week, we do it every single week. You can find it at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com where you find all the shows on the left-hand side of the screen. You'll see the poll question. This week it'll be, if you are John Robinson, who do you take with a sixth overall pick? We'll throw out a list of names there for you guys to choose from, and, and we'll see who ends up being the, the fan favorite. Be sure to watch the game. If you're in the area, definitely go to the game. Let's get home field advantage. 
uh, back, uh, you know, finally, hopefully. Be sure to check out Glenn's Know Your Enemy article. That's right there on that two-tone page that I already talked about. Check us out on Facebook, at Twitter, at Two-Tone Uncensored, without the ED on the end. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, the Podbean app, iTunes. We're out there everywhere. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and tighten up. Jets suck. Podbean! Early one, Dude, his name is Love. I, I just corrected it. Shut up. <laughs> Why is it so hard for you? I don't know. Why can't Ryan say Podbean? <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. <laughs>